Hey, y'all. It's Alexis from First Year Project. Before starting the episode, I just wanted to make sure to spread love and blessings to everyone affected by the murders that took place over the course of a few days. And blessings to the countless black and brown people who've had to deal with a broken and unjust system for far too long. You matter. We matter. And most of all, our sanity matters. I urge you, please, if you can, do what you can to take care of yourself in the coming weeks. And First Year Project especially will be pushing out a lot of information and articles in this week's newsletter on different strategies and different ways that um, we can positively make some change because it's time. Honestly, even myself, I'm still trying to process it all. And um, so I'm going to take time to do that. You all make sure to take time to do that as well, as, as much time as you need. This is our last episode in season one. Remember, you can find all visuals and write-ups on firstyearproject.com. And you can also find visuals and quotes uh, via our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook accounts um, at Twitter and Instagram, we are First Year PRJ. And on Facebook, you can find us at First Year Project. Part of why I'm doing this is because I've been to one too many events with shitty DJs who don't even fucking transition, who don't play good music and get paid and like get bitches. And I'm like, no, get paid and get bitches. You don't deserve this. Listen. So that's why I'm like, I would rather get paid and get bitches. Like, <laughs> this is for me. And this is my life. You're taking away from me. She was wearing a Cubs baseball jersey, standing in the very same spot I was upon arriving. I'm a hugger, she shared, sporting a warm smile, a black visor, and the perfect afro. I first heard of Kiana on Gimlet Media's podcast, Sampler, and have since been following her work. From the deep southern cuts in her mixes on SoundCloud to her writing pieces and music reviews on NPR, music writer and DJ Kiana Fitzgerald, at the age of 26, is doing a little of it all. Hey y'all, I'm Alexis, and welcome to The First Year Project, a podcast that examines the good, the bad, and the integral aspects of the first year experience. Still very much in life's transitional phase, as am I, we talk about new beginnings, the absurdity of this week, and the beauty and fear that's intertwined with embracing the process. Stay tuned. So, Kiana, first and foremost, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So, um, what exactly would you say you do and then why do you do it? Um, Well, right now, I'm trying to figure out what I do. But in a nutshell, um, I write about music, mostly hip-hop and R&B. I was working with NPR previously, but that's kind of like up in the air right now. But um, yeah, I did a lot of work for NPR Music. I did social media for um, a Twitter account called NPR&B. And yeah, I just kind of 
try to think a lot about music and the space that artists are working in nowadays and that kind of thing. And also, I just started DJing, so that's a thing that I'm trying to pick up more. Very, very nice. Now, the first time that I heard about you before I started following you in your oh mixes, Lord. actually... <laughs> Why, oh Lord? I mean, it's just always weird when people are like, you know, I heard about you. I'm like, I, I mean, I get you. it. <laughs> but yeah, please go on. It was actually via a uh, sampler. Oh, okay. Through cool. Brittany, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the it was her first episode. No, and an it was a lemonade episode. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and I was like, first of all, I didn't even know NPR had like an R&B, like hip hop section. Exactly. So I was just like, where? Yeah. Um, and I, I just, yeah. So I think it's super dope what you're doing. And I'm excited for us to like get into the conversation about like your transition awesome. and all of that jazz. Speaking of ne- Lemonade. So uh, for those of you who do not listen to NPR or haven't heard of it, it's a really dope uh, review. It's called Beyonce's Lemonade is defined in the midst of upheaval. Um, and it's actually on NPR's Morning Edition. What was the experience like working on that? Um, well, hmm. I'm like, how honest should I be? So, um, well, first of all, when it first dropped, um, I I was initially supposed to do it for All Things Considered on the weekend. Okay. Um, but something happened and they didn't have room in their schedule so it was like okay well we still want you to do the review but it's not going to be on air and i was like well everybody's they, writing things about they this. didn't have room in their schedule for beyonce's they, yeah and the album? thing is they asked me and then they came back like oh remember that one time we were like hey we want you on the show we actually don't have room for you and i was like mm, okay all right that's fine so there was i swear i spent an entire like maybe 15 hours at the npr office on a Saturday, like, you know, writing this review, like going through the motions of trying to like reach out to the right people. Thank God for Franny Kelly, who's um, the host of Microphone Check at NPR and Jacob Gans, who's an editor at NPR Music. They both like fought tooth and nail to get this placed somewhere on air. And it ended up being on Morning Edition. And even that was a struggle. So, um, yeah, there was a it was just a complicated process that could have been way easier if people just understood that Beyonce is Beyonce and you don't say no to her and you don't say no to coverage of her. So anyway, aside from all that, um, the process of, you know, doing the review, the review itself was pretty intense because I had to do it in less than 24 hours. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as I saw, um, the visual album start on HBO, like the night it came out, I was immediately like, shit. Cause it was like, <laughs> There's new music, so I have to do a review, which I assumed it was going to be, but you never know with her. And then also just like the weight of responsibility of getting it right, Um, getting it right for NPR, for myself as a black woman, for everybody else that might be listening to Morning Edition who doesn't know as much as I know about, you know, the things that she's talking about. So I just got really stressed out. <laughs> and then once it was over, I was like, okay, that was really nice. That was, that was beautiful. But <laughs> now I have to like try to dissect this very, very fast. So, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of like crying, like, cause some of that, that she speaks on in that album, you know, relates to me and like people in my life. So I was just like, it was really heavy. And then at the same time, um, just a lot of like, you know, back and forth internally about like what how much do I want to say 
especially on on the air at NPR when I know that not everybody is going to be happy with me saying that, you know, the industry is sexist and racist. Like it is what it is, but people don't want to hear that at six o'clock in the morning on a Monday. <laughs> so, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just kind of said, can I cuss? Absolutely. Okay, I just kind of said, fuck it. And I just did what I wanted to do. And it came out like really well. And I'm very, very happy about it. So thinking back to when she dropped it, I was actually at a friend's house. I was visiting L.A. I was doing some interviews for First Year Project, visiting in, out in L.A. And um, my friend, shout out to Andrea. She also did the logo for First Year Project. She actually, so so we're all set up on HBO. We get started. I want to say like maybe either three songs in or maybe like in the middle of the visual album. HBO, like I guess only had to deal with them for a certain amount of hours. Maybe it was like 11 hours. Was it just like until it was over? Uh, I I think that like title was like, hey, girl, y'all have this amount of hours. <laughs> so I'll let the people know. Yeah. And it shut off. <laughs> we were, like, like everyone's hyperventilating. There was, yeah. there was like a group of us. Right. Like yeah. so she literally <clears throat> she buys title. She brings out her computer. Like, she had, like, a desktop, like, I'm a computer. We post it in front of the TV, and then we continue to watch the album. Oh, my gosh. That is incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. We cried at the end. Like, it, just the power of the album then, and then thinking about, like, like, the absolute craziness and, like, absurdity of this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like really, really heavy, but also I think it also speaks volumes to how collectively like black and brown people are honestly tired of the bullshit. Yeah, like this. It's I mean, like where else can we go from here aside from like spiraling into who knows what, you know, like it's it's like some dramatic shit is going to like, you know, cops are already getting shot. And that's crazy. But at the same time, it's like, what else? Where else can we go from here? Not saying that that's the answer at all. But at the same time, it's like, you can't keep doing this to people and expect us to just sit here and be like, well, yeah, that's just life. Guess we'll just carry. No, we're not going to carry on. So, yeah. And so when everything first started to go down, I actually didn't even know if I was going to do an episode this week. Yeah, like I've been doing a lot of like stress sleeping. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of like I have to like disconnect from the things that are going on. Um, I've done like a lot of activism through like high school, through co- college, after college, like going to Ferguson mm. um, and doing a lot of the protesting and activism. And over the last however many years, it's just like what what the fuck like what the actual fuck yeah um yeah so i think like right now i'm trying to find a balance between okay how do i be a part of figuring out solutions of like are there ways to figure out a policing system of like we're gonna police our communities and a lot of those right are systems that are put in place but like trying to thinking trying to think of ways to be involved and then also like I'm sorry like in in terms of the videos that are out and the coverage like I think there is an intentional act of trying to break black and brown people down Mm. yeah 
either it's intentional or they just like I'm just I'm just like if could you imagine seeing white people killed at this rate on Facebook on a daily basis like on autoplay I don't think so that, it 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 would it would be um not tolerated exactly yeah so yeah i feel you i'm all about self-care right now um yeah i haven't been like coincidentally i was just off of social media like after i um left npr full-time i was just like i don't want to talk to anybody or anything that is not in real life Mm -hmm. so i was just like offline as it was and then everything started happening and i just haven't been on since then and you know people think i have a lot of people who have been checking in on me and i'm like i'm good thank you like i just haven't engaged with it but i can't avoid it forever and i pray that it doesn't but statistically it's going to happen again and there's going to be another video it's going to be another name so it's just like i gotta pick and choose like when i can put myself into this and at the same time like you said trying to think of solutions like how what can i literally what can i actually practically do Mm -hmm. that's the struggle right now for me absolutely um yeah, like I don't, I don't even know what else to say around that. I just know that we kind of talked about it before, and it was something that I was like, "Wow, it's it still resonates with Beyonce's work mm-hmm. and kind of the increasing uh, idea of okay, like this is this is out of hand." Like yeah. I even knew some I don't know what I would call them. Uh, some folks who like are very into like being like politically correct mm. and like explaining things and it's like no like mm. don't come on yeah. D- there's no excuse yeah. for it at this point <sighs> yeah people love to make up excuses which is wild to me <clears throat> yeah it is it's absolutely fucking crazy that you can look at this shit over and over again and say well he shouldn't have reached that fast well <laughs> he should have been selling like what no the- seriously yeah <laughs> are you kidding yeah me? at a certain point you just really have to collectively Bro, look at the situation get the fuck out of here please, please go away <laughs> literally please um and thinking of all of that though mm-hmm. And then thinking of your tr- transition, if we could just go back a bit. So how did you get into the work that you do now? And like, what was your overall like first year experience like? For sure. Um, so I started out as NPR as a digital media intern for the music department. Um, I had just graduated from Texas State University with my master's in new media and mass communication. So I learned about online online media and social media um, content management systems, that kind of thing. So it was like the perfect transition for me. I actually wasn't going to apply until a friend from grad school like pushed it. She was like, here, do this. You should do this. Sometimes you need that. Yo, she, Sarah, Sarah, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> shout out to Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she was like, here, this is perfect for you. Just apply for it. I was like, sure. So the first day the applications opened, I was like, boom, here I am. Um, didn't hear back for like months, obviously. And then finally, a couple weeks before, the inter- or maybe like a month before the internship started, I finally heard back and, um, you know, there was like an interview and all that. And then finally they called me and they're like, we want you to, to come in for us. So um, I was living in Texas at the time. I moved to D.C. and started working for them and, yeah, interned with them for about four months, learned a bunch, um, did a lot. 
um, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like my position has split into two, if not three internships right now. Wow. Like that I was doing a whole in either internships or like somebody is designated to be doing that specifically. It's an actual job with yeah. benefits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so yeah, I was just like, I was, you know, I, I just thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing. So I was just like, you know what? I'll, I'll stay late. It's whatever. And that's what I did. And it wasn't like the end of the world. It's, I, I didn't have a life. You know, I, I was in DC, you know, I didn't have any family or friends for real. We had like other interns, but I was broke and I didn't live near the Metro. So it wasn't like I could go out with people. So all I did was work. And, um, you know, by the end of the internship, uh, my supervising producer came up to me and she was like, so do you want to stick around? And honestly, at that time, I was so exhausted from working that I didn't know. But I told her, yes, I was like, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, girl. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, girl. Yes, please, <laughs> please. Um, so, yeah, she was like, OK, well, you know, we're going to try to figure this out. And um, so, yeah, after my internship ended, I ended up sticking around with music as a production assistant. Um, and it was over the holidays. So that's why I kind of got to stick around there and like kind of prove myself in that space. And then once the holidays were over and people started coming back, then it was like, OK, well, thank you for your help. But like we don't have essentially we don't have space for you. Okay. Um, so it which was like I, seasonal at first. Yeah, exactly. So um, at that point they kind of went to work and I have so much um, like admiration and appreciation for the people who like went to bat for me. I had a whole bunch of like higher up people in the building in DC at NPR who were like, we love this girl and she's talented and she needs, so shout out to everybody, Keith, Portia, everybody. Thank y'all. Like you're going to listen to this, but either way. um, Yeah. So people were looking out. And so finally there was um, an opening with the ombudsman in a different, like in another department and the ombudsman at NPR is basically the internal critic who um, kind of assesses whether NPR is doing fair coverage. And, in other words, everybody hates this person because he's the one that has to criticize, he or she um, has to criticize everything that they're doing. So Interesting. Yeah, and it was like very news and research-based, so it's kind of like the complete opposite of working for music, but it was a way for me to stay in the building. Um, it was, you know, paying pretty decently for the work that I was doing, and I loved the ombudsman, Edward. He was wonderful. Um, so, yeah, I was able to stick around at NPR Um, and work in different departments. Like after that, I went to programming and um, yeah, once I got back to NPR this year, I was with a, you know, a quiz show called Ask Me Another. So it's like, you know, I kind of like made my way by sticking around in different departments and by staying in the building, I was able to work overtime for music. And that's when I started NPR and B and I started like slowly but surely kind of acting as a curator for the things that were going up for us on the site and like, that's when like, you know, I kind of just started getting more and more responsibility. So yeah, at that point, I want to say I really started doing real shit for NPR music, Mm -hmm. probably in February of 2014. So only like two years ago. But um, yeah, it was like, it didn't really exist before I got there. That's what I was gonna ask. So when I think of NPR, I think of like TED Talk, like radio, like podcast, I think of... I think I listened to like Joan Didion like read a book on uh, NPR and I I, I actually liked some of it. So I like some of their work. But in terms of like R&B, hip hop, I literally did not know that it catered to those uh, (laughs) types of genres of of music. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, and the thing is, it didn't. Okay, so hip hop existed or it like came into existence, I want to say 
maybe 2011, 2012, um, Franny Kelly, who, as I said earlier, is a um, co-host of Microphone Check with Alishi Muhammad from Tribe. Yes. Yeah. They did a Father's Day episode and I loved it. Yeah. 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 They do a lot of beautiful work. Um, But uh, yeah, she started um, hip hop coverage just a year or two before she started Mm R&B. So um, basically she's, you know, been fighting like to prove that this is necessary for NPR. If you want to, the big issue, everybody knows the big issue with NPR is demographics. Like their core audience is older white people. And so Franny surprisingly has to really fight to get hip hop and R&B coverage at NPR. So she, it took a while for her to do that. And then by the time she finally did, that's when I came around. And so she started with hip hop. And then when I, you know, finished my internship and was like, I want to do more. That's when she was like, okay, what do you think about R&B? So um, I started um, the Twitter account. And then uh, we had a, we had, we have a 24 seven stream curated by Jason King, who was like, um, a fucking brilliant human being he's like uh you know the director of the tish school i think oh wow or like he's like he does a lot i might be mistaken but he does a lot of cool shit um but yeah so jason king curates the stream he does like the big interviews that we do like he did a, a pharrell conversation um a few months ago so yeah uh we just kind of had these it's like patchwork like we had these small things that we like to do but there was never like a consistent stream of like here's everything consistently over and like it was just like here's a thing and then a couple months later here's a thing so it's kind of been like that since the beginning and you know I'm kind of like hoping that we can get more going but it's still like a work in progress why is it so hard to explore genres like R&B and hip-hop when there's definitely a large audience, like, well, I don't understand why that's hard for NPR to do. That's, that's a million dollar question. <laughs> that I, I don't have the answer to. Um, I wish I knew. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, as with any publication or any company, there are just, there are conversations happening way above my head that I don't even know about. So, um, that's an answer that they could probably give, but I, cause fundamentally I don't understand it either. Like, I feel like it's very obvious, but you know, I guess it comes down to just like, you know, budget and time and bandwidth and, you know, production and that kind of thing. And, you know, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you want this audience, here's what you can do. Just like put one and one together and make two. But I don't know. Like I said, it's probably way more complicated than I even have any idea of. So in this first year, uh, thinking about like the moments of vulnerability and struggle, like what would you say was your most vulnerable moment and how did you, how did you kind of figure it all out? Mm, That's a good question. When was I most vulnerable? Um, I guess, um, we went to, and by we, I mean, um, Franny, me, um, and a few other people on our team as like the R and B unit. We went to New Orleans for Essence Fest a couple years ago. Dope. And um that was pretty much the first time that I've like they flew me down there and like put me up just to live tweet. Like just just a live tweet Essence Fest. So that was like 
oh shit like they're putting money behind me yeah like they really like believe in me so that was probably one of the first times where i was like okay i have to like literally show and prove like what i'm capable of Mm -hmm. so um you know i was just like running around like those i think it was like three days that we were down there and thankfully i got to see prince um that was the only time i got to see him so i was just like oh god i didn't take any pictures because he doesn't like people to take pictures he doesn't so i didn't i was literally one of my favorite artists of all time i saw him in la he puts on a really dope show yeah it was it was incredible so yeah it was just like um you know just having the responsibility of um just letting like i love like live tweeting events because it's like bringing people there with you that can't be there Mm -hmm. so it was just all about like making sure that i'm using my voice in an authentic way but also representing npr and showing people that like this is something that you might want to check out next year and like this is a good time and this is a great artist like that kind of thing so um yeah that was just like uh like a real eye-opening moment like oh i can like make a make a career out of like so like the, the shit that i went to school with imagine that like i'm using my <laughs> degrees this is amazing uh so yeah that was really really dope for me now and what's been your like most vulnerable moment within that the first year of you kind of getting into like music journalism um honestly it's it's always vulnerable for me um when i write i i don't like to just do the quick like three to five sentences like here's this artist here's where they're from here's what they just put out enjoy like i don't think that is not music journalism that is you writing words that don't even make sense half the time just so you can premiere a video or an album Mm -hmm. so um and i i just i just think it's disrespectful that people do that honestly real quick like these artists put so many hours if not days months weeks whatever into their music and then you don't even really think about it so when i write i try to really think about what's happening with the music um i really try to be descriptive about the elements that they're using about what it could mean what a theme could be um i really just kind of like sit in it and just kind of try to soak it in and then explain what what i think it is so every time i do that um you know like the post goes up and then I want to say nine times out of 10, the artist or their publicist will reach out to me on their behalf and they'll say, you know, thank you so much. Like, this is the most beautiful thing anyone's ever written about my music. Like, I can't believe you just got it like that. You didn't even talk to me. Like, so the moment before I hear back from them, it's always vulnerable. I'm like, Mm. did I do okay? Did I, did I do them justice? And then they reach back out and they're like, thank you. And that's when I'm like, okay, I'm fine. (laughs) But yeah, it's always vulnerable. That's like a really good point to make, right? Because with first year project, we talk about uh, clearly a lot about the first year, but I feel like there are there is um, there are gems within those moments of vulnerability, and they don't just stop at the first year, at nah. the second year. You know <laughs> if anything, I mean? it gets more vulnerable. Yeah, the more like visibility, quote unquote, that you have, um, the more the more vulnerable you are. How do you navigate through, like? the pressure that can sometimes and in many cases does come along with being a woman of color working in spaces that don't have women of color Um, and then like covering you know what I mean like like black and brown like artists ah great question it was it was tricky at first because especially as a new person Mm -hmm. in this industry um, I was just learning everything, a very, very steep learning curve. So um, I was just trying to get my bearings in the beginning. And that led to me just being like, well, can you just help me? Like, it, it was kind of like I was not begging. I was 
just kind of presenting myself in a way like thank you so much like just help me out this one like very very kind of timid like I'm sorry I don't want to bother you kind of thing and it worked in a way um but it made me feel like I was less than and it made me feel like I was I was asking permission Mm -hmm. and it was it worked and maybe that helped me to get to where I am now but um nowadays I'm just to be honest, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to write about what I want to write about. I'm going to review what I want to review. If I can't, I'll go somewhere else, which is why I'm up in the air right now. Um, I I don't believe that we as women of color or people of color should have to, you know, fucking explain why we think a song is good or why an artist is good when you look over at the fuck. I'm not even going to say that. Basically, um, <laughs> say it, you know, say it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to keep this bridge and trying there to go. Um, nah, but long story short, I am finally in a place where I'm confident in my abilities as you know a music consumer, as a writer, as a representative of this quote unquote community. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know that I know what, what I'm doing, so that helps me a lot to be able to walk into these spaces where I'm the only woman and the only black person, and be like, this is why this should be here. And to be honest, like now that I'm being super assertive, now I'm seeing the shit that I want to happen. But when it was just me like, well, I think this could be a good thing. I think this would be a good look for us. And they'd be like, okay, thank you. And then they would like pat me on the head. And then I just go on. And and it just got to a point where I was like, well, what the fuck do I need to do to get this shit on here? And Mm -hmm. then I started being assertive. And that's when it was like, oh, now you can have everything you've ever wanted, which is kind of life in general, I guess. Like when you, you know, really show that you know what you're talking about and you believe in yourself that's when people are like okay you got it it's a, it's all you so that's kind of like been the morphing of the way that i handle myself that's beautiful and like so necessary to go from transitioning from like a place of i'm new everything's new mm-hmm. i'm just gonna soak everything in to also being like i'm contributing oh absolutely And like what I think and what I say is valid too. Definitely. I'm like, I think this is why I'm like, okay with being in transition right now. Um, I finally realized that like, I'm, I'm valuable as fuck. Like I'm a young person. I'm a woman. I'm black. I'm very smart. Like I'm personable. Like I'm, I'm a, people have told me I'm a great person to work with. So I am an asset and I don't have to be in situations where I'm not happy, where I'm not working on the things that I'm passionate about. I might not be able to find that thing right now, but like someday somebody's going to look up and be like, Oh shit, that's the girl we need or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's going to work out. But like, it all comes down to like realizing that you, you, they likely need you more than you need them in any situation. So that's where I'm like, whatever girl do what you want to do for a little bit and hopefully somebody will hire me someday (laughs) i'm just like vigorously like shaking my head um so i too am in transition and i'm starting to get more excited about my career transition but what would you say is the scariest part so far of your transition because I'm also scared as fuck not having a paycheck coming in um, seeing my bank account dwindle every single day mm-hmm. it's almost like it's taunting me um, that's the hardest part um, and I guess practically um, just giving myself structure every day 
not having a job to go into at, you know, whatever time um, that's been. And it's only been like a week. I don't <laughs> I got I got time to figure this out. I'm fine. But for now, it's definitely like, OK, what do I do with myself today? Yeah. And making sure that I don't just waste time and sleep all day, which I can't even do anymore which is a good thing, I guess, but I miss being able to sleep in. Um, but yeah, just making sure that I, I stay active somehow <clears throat> and um, push my mind, my mind to places that I haven't been able to because I was too busy worrying about X, Y, Z. Yeah. I'm super excited for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited for you too. Thanks. This is our glow up year. 26. 26. <laughs> the year of 26. Yeah. Like, no, honestly. So I, like I told you before, I've been doing a lot of reading around Jay-Z um, and just how like when you think about it, like 26, you've been out of college for like a few years. Mm-hmm. Like you have maybe lived in a couple of cities. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of really getting to know who you are um, outside of spaces that are, I guess, charged with like helping you figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is my first year living in New York and I have a lot of issues with New York. But mm. one thing that I love and will always love is like the energy here, the vibe here, like the way that I've been able to explore myself creatively. I don't I don't know if I could do that in a Boston or I don't know if I could do that in like a different city absolutely um so yeah no i think like this transitional year is just such an amazing time and i'm super glad that you're taking that time to figure out where you actually want to be definitely because money um <laughs> oh my god like money can be a bitch like Yo, i'm scared <laughs> terrified <laughs> i don't know what's gonna happen but at the same time like it was kind of the same thing where I moved to DC and then from DC to New York. Yeah. Um, like each time that I moved, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? I'll move back to Texas. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I love my family. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be more than happy to spend time with them. Um, but at the same time, like I don't fail. That's not in my DNA. I'm not good at fucking shit up. I like to progress. I like to make things happen. So I know, I know we'll be fine, but it's just like, how are we going to get there? That's mm-hmm. the question. Mm-hmm thinking of some of the things that you are also doing like how did you get into into DJing oh man um okay well (laughs) let me just say um I have she she lights up (laughs) she lights up this is how I knew that I needed to like just be free because I'm like this is the shit that makes me happy like this is what I want to talk about and do Mm -hmm. um so I have this diary that I've had since I was 14. Oh my God, um, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe I still have it. It's crazy. <clears throat> but um, I, I was just like looking back through it and it was, I want to say it was like December 7th. Um, I just wrote, so you want to be a DJ? And I was like, oh, that was like six months ago and I'm already doing this. That's crazy. <clears throat> Sorry. That's okay. Um, so yeah, I, I don't remember what like lit that, that moment for me but since then um i started making mixes like little baby like 10 15 minute mixes and i would just put them on soundcloud and i was doing that shit so like i was like stitching it together with npr's like you know audio editing system that is not for djing but i was like i'm gonna make this work i'm making it work yeah so i was just like putting songs together that i thought would sound good together and that i liked and i did like maybe nine or ten of those and then once I hit like, you know, that moment, um, 
I was connected with a guy named Paul Lewis. Pablo Luis is his DJ name. He created this collective called Wax FM. And he's like just a super creative, like very um, just like an open guy who is like not only down to make shit happen, can actually make it happen. Very dope. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I met him and I let him know like, hey, you know, I love music. I have these mixes and I like want to do stuff, but I don't know how to DJ yet. So he's like, oh, it's fine. You know, just like as long as you have good taste in music, that's step number one. So um, yeah, we ended up just like keeping in touch. And then I want to say it was, was it April? May, June. Yeah, yeah. It was April when... um. He was like, so do you want to have your first show? And I was like, yeah, sure. And of course, it ended up getting pushed up further than I was expecting. So I had no time to prepare. And then I get there and it's like this fucking DJ equipment that I've never seen before in my oh, life. Wow. With my own yeah. So it was like, I don't have my own equipment. Like mm-hmm. I've only, honestly, I've only touched like actual equipment five times at this point. Um, it's just like when I have shows and when I have a live gig, the only live gig I've done so far. So it was just like putting me in front of it with all these songs that don't match that I just like grabbed off my computer and he's like, here you go. And they like helped me out. I'm like, I'm not going to put him out there like that. Like he, he helped me out. So it was a, like people um, that were there that night, like helped me transition. And then eventually they were like, okay, figure it out. And then of course, like I fucked up here and there, but um, I was able to like get to a point at the end of it where I understood what was happening at least. And then by the time my next show came around, I remembered how it worked, but I still hadn't had like that very, very hands-on experience. I downloaded a virtual DJ and so I was like playing around with that and that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like actually using the equipment, I was just still just like, oh, okay. I didn't learn how to cue until my last show. So it was like cueing is when you um you can hear the music in your headphones before you play the song. Yeah. So I was just doing this shit blind. I was like, <laughs> okay, it sounds all right. I hope this is going to be okay. So that's why I'm like, I can't listen to those first two shows because I didn't even know what I was doing um but yeah so it was just kind of like being connected with the right people and um just having I hate to say the word ambition but just like having the ambition to do it um I've I didn't and also I think a part of why I'm doing this is because I've been to one too many events with shitty DJs who don't even fucking transition who don't play good music and get paid and like get bitches and I'm like no get paid don't, and get bitches you don't deserve this listen so that's why I'm like I would rather get paid and get bitches like <laughs> this is for me and this is my life you're taking away from me so that's another reason why I was like I should just do this uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the process of it all like that's dope that even like technically you didn't know what you were doing at first but it's just like like you have to get out there and do it yeah when i started first year project like i didn't know how to edit audio i listened to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. um so i had that to my advantage mm-hmm. but in terms of like how to actually make it happen i had no idea so you know what i did i just went on google mm-hmm. like i had someone teach me the basics and one of the best things student named Andre a friend of a friend uh he works at MTV doing audio editing Mm -hmm. stuff I don't know if he's still there but I initially reached out to him to be like hey like would you be open to like working with me on this project and and editing um the podcast and he was like well I'm working on a lot of different projects like I couldn't pay him Mm -hmm. um so he was like you know what I can do I can teach you how to edit the audio and that's literally Teach a man a fish bruh when i tell you that that was the the 
best thing that could have ever happened for me. Yeah. Like, and also just thinking like I'm 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 a huge Nipsey fan. Mm-hmm. Um, like the all money in, like no money out kind of mentality. Of, he is so fucking smart. Like, no, Nip. He's a great businessman. Nipsey is ahead of the curve. Like years. <laughs> yeah, like mentally in terms of business, and even just in terms of like understanding the benefits at like such an early age of like ownership absolutely i'm so proud of him no like like so so freaking dope but yeah he was talking about how early on because nipsey at first was signed by a label Mm -hmm. he wasn't independent at first um do you know who he was with i'm just curious I i forget the label's name now but they essentially switched management and that's when Nipsey he asked to be released from mm. his label and he was like I'm just gonna do it on my own mm-hmm. um but when he was you know they were kind of limiting him in terms of like who they wanted his audience to be and you know just doing things that music companies do yeah. <laughs> to black and brown artists yeah and for him, it was an opportunity for him to be like, well, like if you're not going to do this marketing, like, like I would do the grassroots marketing because I've seen it work for me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like your engineer is not going to be able to do this like on my project. Guess what? Like I engineer like mm-hmm. I'll do that for myself. And just like knowing all the different aspects of your craft and the work that you do like has been the the dopest lesson that I've learned from this whole like process. Dude, education, like not even knowing some Michelle Obama shit like education is so key and literally like, and that means like whether that's books or that's like learning how to edit your own op- like mm-hmm. just learn learning as much shit as you possibly can is like how you get to a place where you feel confident in doing shit on your own yep um the more you can arm yourself with like the higher you can go absolutely um since you're from texas uh who are some of the artists on your radar from Ooh. texas um so (laughs) here we go my face lights yes um so there is uh, a kid named dreddy franks who is a producer but he also raps sometimes Mm -hmm. um he works with um this gang down in texas not gang but like a a collective down in texas called the the ruthless click and then there's also pmg um but yeah it's just like he makes music that sounds very close to the era that i grew up listening to but in a way that's different like it doesn't sound like i'm listening to ugk or ghetto mm-hmm. boys like it sounds like i'm listening to jordy franks but he's very very influenced by that era mm. and he's able to like pull those sounds in but but in different ways he's very adventurous um so he's probably honestly he's probably my favorite artist out right now and i've never told him that but i hope he listens um but yeah so there's jordy franks um there's this trio called the outfit texas um, they're <clears throat> also producers and rappers, and I think that's my thing. I love rappers who can produce. Yeah, that I think that sonically opens you up to way more levels than you would if you just knew how to rap. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, they're also rappers and producers. Um, who else? Craig Zen. Oh my God, Zen X E N, not Zen. Um, he is from Houston, and he is a not spearheading, but he's one of a few artists or maybe even many artists that are like in the South, like Florida, Texas, whatever, um, who are basically 
like punk rappers like they they scream they like their beats are distorted it sounds like shit but it's so beautiful to me i love it like it ma- it gives me chills i'm like oh my god this is what i've been waiting for mm-hmm. um so like anything basically anything that sounds like it's unfinished or like tattered or bruised like i'm like yeah that's real like i love that it feels real why do you think that that resonates with you is it is it pretty much like the authenticity of it yeah and also it's the only thing i think when i listen to a song or an artist is don't fuck this up and don't be boring (laughs) um people tend to do both um but yeah with these kids it's like they don't have room to be boring because they're doing so much yeah and they're going so much like so far away from what's the standard um in terms of like polished production and like you know, having like a mic will made it or whatever. Like they're doing this shit on their own. Mm-hmm. They're like in a fucking like dark ass closet with these beats that they haven't even mastered and they're just screaming and they don't touch it. They just put it out as it is. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I can tell this is real. I can't always tell when other things are real. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I gravitate toward that scene so much. But yeah, I really love it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> what would you say is like the essence of music in the south heart um i hate the word grit but i think that's another word um like they as are many many rappers um these kids are just fighting like they're just trying to get the fuck out and they're going through things and they're experiencing hardships that a lot of us will never understand so like when they're screaming on a track like i hear that pain and i'm like damn like he's really just trying to like get this emotion out and like i see videos of them like performing and like they're bleeding like because they're fucking moshing with their fans and like you know like it's it's oh, that's crazy yeah, yeah it's like it's like punk rap like legit uh-huh. they are not fucking around and i've been to a few shows but of course i'm like standing in the corner like hey <laughs> i support you but i can't get up in there right now um but yeah it's just like just having that very very real heart and um you know just kind of going from there and being themselves Mm -hmm. um they're just real they're real kids knowing what you know now what would you say to your first year self believe in yourself as corny as that is um people have been telling me that they like see me going far ever since i can remember and i would just be humble and be like oh thank you yeah i appreciate that but like I just, I never saw myself from that perspective. I always saw that I could do better. I always wanted to do better. I never really sat down and acknowledged the fact that I was doing a great fucking job in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like I would look back like, damn, I can't believe I did that. But I never like in the moment was like, I'm doing a great job right now. And you know, yeah, I could do better, but this is really great too. Um, I wish that, you know, that first year, I wish I had just really believed that like, yo, like you can be a music journalist like you don't have to do like a boring job that you don't care about just because you need to get paid when just because you are afraid um i wish that i had you know gone out for it on my own a long time ago but Mm. in hindsight it's fine i learned a lot i learned a whole bunch but at the same time i do wish that i had just believed in myself earlier what's exciting you right now freedom 
Hey. Yeah. I'm looking for, this is my first, this is going to be my first summer in New York. So. Mine too. Really? Oh yes. my God, this is great. I'm so, this, so we should be parallels. friends after Yo, this. Yeah, I was like, can I say that on here? <laughs> yeah, we should be friends. Um, yeah, I, yeah, my first summer in New York um, and I have no job. So it's like, I could do whatever the fuck I want. Seriously. So that's, that's what's making me excited. What about you? I think freedom, uh, also just like, learning Mm -hmm. like i love learning and like connecting with different people so i'm super excited to just be in a lot of different spaces Mm -hmm. and just like absorbing it all in yeah like i think i've had a job since like 11 oh my girl (laughs) i'm jamaican so we we start we start early girl um man yeah no so i've was that 15 years girl (laughs) jesus (laughs) how are you alive (laughs) how are you living yeah like i always had some sort of way to make money yeah um and to be doing work that like i'm interested in so i've been very blessed in that regard but I don't think, especially these past like three or four years, I like have not come up for a breath. Like even with me Yo. teaching, like I always worked in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've like lived in three different states in three different years. Same. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I just feel like I was always moving, moving, moving. And if it did come to the point where I wanted to learn and grow in a different area or learn and grow in a, in a different school, um, I was literally going from like, my previous employer and then about two days later generally starting the next thing you know yeah. what i mean yeah um so having that space to like learn and explore and just like really like absorb new york in is something that i'm super excited about it's gonna be lit as the kids say litty litty gang <laughs> 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 okay so uh where can people find you social media where can people find your mixes your writing all of that dope um so my socials pretty much everywhere are my first name k-i-a-n-a kiana fitz okay let me start over um (laughs) my social is uh my first name and the first four letters of my last name k-i-a-n-a-f-i-t-z um that's twitter um my my instagram and my snapchat are outfoxed so that's o-u-t-f-o-x-x-e-d um those are also like kind of on the low, but you know, whatever I okay. like, you know, I'm friendly. Um, <laughs> SoundCloud. So if you just go to regular ass SoundCloud, um, just do the backslash and do K I A N A F I T Z. Same thing. Kiana fits. And yeah, that's, I have like a playlist pinned to the top and everything. Just go ahead and press play and just enjoy that. And yeah, um, that's pretty. M- oh yeah. And if you want to find my writing, just Google my name and NPR. Um, Don't. And it's all there very dope thank you so much for this conversation i really enjoyed it thank I was super you too this it. was yeah this was uh, like a lot of fun yes. <laughs> thank you. yeah so i'm gonna try to fear away from having this be like the source awards and just thanking people for the next 10 minutes um, but honestly, I'm just super thankful for how first season of first year project has come out. Um, first year project was an idea that I had about two years ago. Um, 
as a blog and then it developed into what it is now as a podcast and I just cannot thank you all enough for listening to it, for liking it, for sharing it, for uh, tweeting about it, for engaging in the conversation, for being open to life being a process and being open to just learning and growing every day. Um, So yeah, from the bottom of, of my heart, just thank you so much for for rocking with me and for rocking with us um, throughout this first season. Um, it's definitely exceeded my expectations and I'm really looking forward to building and continuing to grow the brand. Now in terms of credits, that wasn't too long. Uh, in terms of credits, our initial music clip in the beginning which was right kind of in the background of my introduction um it's actually some music from dreddy franks he is an artist out of texas i believe um definitely check him out on soundcloud thank yous to bad decisions collective and dalvin beats for our traditional intro and outro music guys thank you so much for providing those for first year projects we love the music keep doing your thing uh super thank you to andrea for the official logo that we use it's dope i remember uh us coming up with it together and you putting it together and honestly like everyone loves the logo thank you thank you thank you also um thank you to creator k for our additional logo as well i'm trying to think of who else to thank oh our uh, social media um community manager all um a lot of the tweets and the instagram posts and the facebook links and now the newsletter right that could not be possible without um erica make sure to please find her on twitter and uh instagram her name is erica lipscomb uh definitely check her out she does a lot of really great great work for first year projects so thank you so much for rocking with me and um the late nights and everything that you know we had to go through to put this out weekly um i feel like i should thank my mama so i'm gonna thank my mama but yeah guys thanks so much we are actually going to take the summer to interview and record uh, for season two. Definitely check out, and I'm sorry, be on the lookout for um, some updates on season two and ways that you know you can be a part, really a part of developing season two. Be on the lookout for that. Um, even though we're not going to have episodes posted throughout the summer we will still have the newsletter first phase if you haven't subscribed yet definitely subscribe you can find our newsletter links to it on our twitter on our website and on uh the instagram it's called first faves we are curating uh some of the dopest music articles news 
really lots of different things that we're curating in that newsletter. Um, and there will also be updates on what's going on with first year project um, throughout the summer and uh, when we're hopefully coming back in the fall. So definitely make sure to subscribe. Thank you guys so much. Continue to share, like the episodes, download them so you don't have to um, lose service in the middle of an episode on your way to, you know, a flight or on the train or whatever the case is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Peace.